We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Father, I pray right now that uh, as we open your word, that you would speak to us. Speak to us in, in a unique, the unique way, God, that you do. I pray that every single individual here this morning would hear from you. I don't care if they hear from me, but they would hear from you. God, speak to us the exact things that we need. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're, we're going to be in the gospel of Mark, which is the same book that we looked at uh, in the first service, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 this morning, and because um, I'm throwing them a curveball, you're just going to have to use your own Bible or your own smartphone and look it up here, Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, are you ready? When you're there, just shout out, I'm there, y'all are fast, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. That's a phrase that that sounds uh, kind of familiar. Welcome home, right? They had heard that he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him... Uh, to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the mat the man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to this paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say get up take up your mat and walk but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the man I tell you get up take your mat and go home he got up took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised God saying we have never seen anything like this the title of this message this morning is what we really need how many of you know that there's a difference often between what we want and what we need Have you ever found that to be true? Parents know this to be very true, right? Isn't it amazing how many things that our kids need, right? I mean, we're we're on vacation right now. We spent we spent last week in Las Vegas and then we we traveled here yesterday. We'll be here this this week. And and it's it's amazing to me, especially my kids are in vacation mode. And I don't know what vacation mode looks like for you, but vacation mode for us means ice cream as often. 
often as possible. Any, anyone testify to that? I mean, like, multiple times a day. I, vacation mode for us, because we're, we, don't, we don't have this pleasure in New Mexico, vacation mode for us is in and out burger as often as possible. My, my kids asked the other night, I've got a testimony over here. Uh, I, my kid's like, Dad, how many times do you think you're going to eat in and out on this trip? I said, as many times as possible, right? Because in and out is one of those things that I need. It's in, it's in the need category, right? I mean, I do want it, but I also need it, right? And, and, and I, you know, my kids this week, it's like, Dad, I need this. Dad, I need that. Dad, I mean, we're in the mall the other day, and, you know, they, they're looking at, at these little squishy balls, splat balls is what they call them, and you throw them, and they just, they splat. Dad, my littlest daughter, Dad, I need this. And I had to have a little conversation with her and say, that's not something you need. It is something that you want. But, but how often do we confuse it, right? Even as adults, the things that we need and the things that we want. And, and here's, here's the interesting thing is that we always seem to know what we, what we think that we need. Am I right? Like we seem to, to think that for ourselves, for our lives, for our marriage, for our faith, for our family, we seem to think that we know not just what we want, but also what we need. I, I told this story in the first service, I'll tell it again. We, we, uh, I love, I love getting pedicures. Judge me if you want, it's okay. How many of you men are manly enough to admit that you have had a pedicure? Come on, man, that's what I'm talking about. Give those men a hand, they are... There's some real men at Relevant Church. And if you, men, if you've never had one, it will change your life, okay? So um, two most life-changing things that could happen today is you could accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you could go after church and get a pedicure, all right? And they'll be rubbing your feet, and you'll be like, oh, Pastor Jason was so right. This is amazing. And you will thank me. You will send me a thank you card. It's okay. I, I-, I love you that much, right? So I love pedicures. And uh, my associate pastor, his name is Pastor Clyde. He's about a 350-pound big boy. He right? looks like a big Samoan dude. And we get pedicures together, which is really fun because we walk in, man. We walk in. Oh, there it is. We walk in, and they look, they, the, the, they look at us, and, and they immediately start fighting over who's going to get my feet. They, they don't want his feet, man. <laughs> I'm always teasing them. I'm like, dude, they're going to have to get the grinder out to, to work on your toes, bro. Those are some, those are some toes right there. So we go. We go to get a pedicure uh, a, a few weeks ago, and uh, we sit down in the chair. And my buddy Clyde, he always, he's just, he spoils himself. He gets the deluxe pedicure, all right? Anyone get the deluxe? And, and that's like they put the paraffin on there, and they use the hot stones when they're massaging it. And some of you right now, you're like, I wish I was at, right now, I was getting a pedicure, not at church. And, uh, but you can get one after. And so he's getting the deluxe, but we, I was on a budget because we were about to come on vacation, and we're going to Disney tomorrow, and I needed to save up, so I'm like, the, the girl, she goes, uh, what kind of pedicure do you want? I said, I just want a regular, just a regular, just a basic pedicure, and she goes, oh, and I'm like, uh-oh, what did I say, and then she looks at her friend next to her, and she's like, oh, and I'm like, why are you talking about my toes in a language that I don't understand. That ain't fair, right? And I don't know what she said, but this is my interpretation of what she said, is I think that she said, look how funny. This guy thinks that he needs a regular pedicure, but what he needs is a deluxe pedicure, right? 
You see, we tend to think that we know what we need. And in this story in Mark chapter 2, there's a paralyzed man and his four friends. And these five guys, they think they know not just what they want, but what they need. They think they know what they need. And so they've brought their friend to Jesus, and they have a plan. But not only do they have a plan, the crowd also has a plan. The crowd thinks that they've figured out that what Jesus is going to do. They think they've figured out. They have an expectation of what's about to happen. And the reason they have an expectation is because if you read in Mark chapter 1, you see kind of what's going on. See, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, it says the people brought uh, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. And so this is, this is happening in the gospel of Mark is Jesus is healing and he's casting out demons. And I mean, he's, he's starting a you know, revival, right? He's, he's starting, he's putting his tent up and the, the disciples, here's what's happening. The disciples are beginning to put pressure on Jesus. Because you see in, in the next couple of verses there, you see in verse 35, it says very early in the morning while it's still dark, Jesus gets up and he leaves the house and he goes to a solitary place where he prays. And Simon and his companions, they wake up and they, they see, they notice he's not there. And they go looking for him. And when they find him, verse 37 in chapter 1, it says, When they find him, they exclaim, Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. Have you, have you ever, have you, you, you've, you've heard peer pressure, right? Like, everyone is eating it in an out burger, right? That's how I feel in New Mexico, right? And I see all your pictures. It's not fair, right? Everyone is going to relevant church, hopefully so, right? Everyone, and this is what the disciples, they're, they're putting some pressure on Jesus because he's been healing and casting out demons, and he's been healing, and he's been doing this amazing work, and, and Jesus, how dare he get up early and go get alone to pray. That's what the disciples are saying. And they come to him and like Jesus, the line is already forming outside of the church and people are waiting on you to come and to heal and to cast out demons and to do the thing that you do. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And they, in other words, the expectation is, Jesus, you've been healing and you've been setting free and we want you to do it again. So the, the, there's this pressure here and that's why these guys in Mark 2, they show up and there's such a crowd that they can't get in so so they go up on the roof and they, this is one of those stories that that honestly when, when I read it I, I've always thought this would be a fun story to have been in the audience right like can you imagine like I mean, you some of you have read this story so many times it's just it's not even new to you but can you imagine if as I'm talking today you know you some sheetrock dust began to kind of fall, right? And you're, you're looking up like, what, what's going on, right? And we heard some hammering and some, you know, some, some tools. Were, and all of a sudden, we saw the sunlight appear through the roof. And, and all of a sudden, this guy comes down, lowered down on ropes and a mat. Like, that would not, would that not be crazy? And so this is what's happening in Mark chapter 2. Is this this guy's lowered down into the room. And, and so they and here's went what to I know, is that they brought the man, here, the paralyzed man, opened the hole in the and room, his they four lowered him down. Friends, and the expectation what they was, wanted, well, Jesus had healed all these they other wanted, people. Surely, or, or could, I could say surely he way, can heal what they thought that they needed was well, for Jesus to heal their friend. 
Because when the man comes down out of the ceiling, Jesus, he, he says, it says that Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralyzed man. So let me just point out, Jesus knew that the man was paralyzed. I mean, he knew that he couldn't walk. He knew, he knew what the man wanted is what I'm trying to show you. But it, it says he saw their faith and he looked at the paralyzed man and he says this. You might expect him to say, get up and walk. But instead, he says, son... Your sins are forgiven. Isn't this interesting? He doesn't, in this moment, he doesn't give the man what he wanted. But what I, what I want you to see this morning is that he gave the man what he actually needed. You see, there, there's a difference in what we want and what we need. And, and I'm here to tell you this morning that, that what Jesus does for us is he gives us what we actually need. And sometimes it doesn't line up with what we want. But what we need, I mean, is he God or not, right? Is he all-knowing or not? Is he all-powerful or not? And Jesus, and I love this because he looks at the man, and I mean, truthfully, it had to be a little bit offensive, right? In front of this whole crowd, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And, And this is what I want you to see this morning, is that what he was saying in this, and he's still saying it to us today, is that life's biggest problem is not your suffering, rather, it's your sin. You see, you see this guy, I mean, put yourself in his shoes, paralyzed from birth. Right? Can't walk, can't get around, always dependent on someone else for help. And, and, and I don't know about you, but if I'm in that guy's shoes, I'm going to perceive that my biggest need is the fact that I'm paralyzed and I can't get up and go where I want and do what I want and, and have my own way and be in control of my own life. W- would you agree with that? But what Jesus is saying, and I mean, truthfully, it is a little bit offensive. He's saying, that is not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is this thing called sin. Your biggest problem is is actually not your legs, but your heart. Your biggest problem is is in your heart and in in the fact that it's separated from the Father. That's really all. I mean, let's not overcomplicate sin, right? Let's not try. You know, it's funny as a pastor, quite often, you know, people, they, they ask questions like, well, pastor, can I do this? And what they're asking, right, is, is this okay? Can I, can I still call myself a follower of Jesus and do this, right? Can I, can, I, can I participate in this and still get to heaven, right? I mean, don't we love to try to draw the line? Like, how close can we get, right? The problem, if you're like me, is I don't like to just get close to the line. I kind of want to jump over it, right? <laughs> and and this, the, the, the biggest problem is not our suffering, but rather it's our sin, But truthfully, you and I today, we get so wrapped up in what's happening to us in the moment. We get so wrapped up in the in the suffering of uh, of the moment that that we we just like this guy. We often we we come to Jesus and we think that what we want, he should take care of. Right. I mean, some of you have been guilty of this. You you come to church and because you've been fighting with your spouse all during worship, while you're worshiping and you're, you've got your, your hands lifted and a smile on your face and you're singing the song, but the cry of your heart is, God, I really hope today that you will fix my spouse, right? I really hope that you will you'll fix our marriage, right? Or you've got a bill that's looming and all during church, all you're thinking is, God, I just 
missed on it. I hope you come through. I really, what I'm hoping is tomorrow, I'm hoping tomorrow when the mail comes that that, that check's going to be there, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm believing, God. You know, that's why I'm here at church today. I'm believing because this is what, and this is the mistake we made is, is we say this, just like my kids say to me, because God, this is what I need. And we confuse the need and the want, right? And what, here's what Jesus gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. And the reason that Jesus forgave the sins first, because we're going to keep reading, and ultimately he does, he does heal the man, but he forgave the sins first because, and this is true of you and I today, discontentment runs deep in our hearts. You see, what Jesus knew is that if he gave him what he wanted, if he healed his legs, that it wasn't going to fix the problem in his heart. That it wasn't going to fix the sin in his heart. It wasn't going to fix the discontentment in his heart. The, the, the turmoil of his heart was not going to be fixed just because his legs were fixed. And, and it's true of us today. I mean, think about it for just a moment. What is the thing that you've been wanting so desperately? You see, when you want something desperately, it, it just kind of begins to overwhelm you. Am I right? I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, like uh, I love to fish. Any, anyone like to fish? Do y'all fish out here in California? Is there water nearby? I'm teasing. So I love to fish. And uh, about a year ago, we, were, we, we have a campus up in northern New Mexico. And I was up in, our, in, our, in northern New Mexico at our campus. And up there, the rivers are really, really tiny, really, really little. And they're overgrown with trees. And so when you fly fish up there, it's kind of half bushwhacking and half fly fishing. I mean, it's, it's like you're getting in there, right? And so the problem, here's the problem, is I, have, I like to fly fish. And my fly fishing pole is like nine feet long. And working a nine-foot pole through all the trees, it's just, it's just it's hard. It's crazy, right? You feel for me, right? So... So last summer, I'm bushwhacking, fly fishing, and I realize that I need, need a new fly rod. I need a six-foot fly rod that will be much easier to maintain on these northern New Mexico rivers. Any of you ever had a need kind of similar, right? I mean, maybe not a fly rod, but you've needed an upgrade, right? You've needed the new model. You've needed a new pair of shoes. You need, right? And, and so I remember I came home. I'm like, babe, I need a new fly rod. And I, and, and I don't know what she said, but I know what she thought was, you don't need a, another fishing pole. Like, there is a pile of fish. But, but she was sweet, and she's like, oh, that's okay, babe. So I'm like, I need, and here's, the, here, here's what happened, is it began, it's kind of silly now talking about it, but it, it just kind of began to overtake me. Have you been there? And so, you know, like late at night, Lisa would fall asleep, and, and I was on the computer, and I'm researching fly rods right? And I'm looking at prices, and I'm reading the reviews, and, I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm putting, my, my heart began to get set on a new fly rod. It, it, you, you've been there, right? And it just, it, I mean, all, and I, it was crazy how much it consumed me. I mean, I would think about it, and I, I was putting money aside and thinking, oh, I could buy this. And I, I mean, I would go in my garage. I'm like, you know, if I sold these things and I could do this, and, and, you know, and, and it just, and here's the thing is the, 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 thing, the, the, the thing that we want desperately, it just, it begins to overtake our, our thoughts, our resources, the patterns of our life. And, and maybe it's not a fly rod, but maybe for you, may, maybe the thing that you think that's going to make you happy, the thing that you need is a relationship, 
And you've thought this. Maybe you've even prayed it. Oh, but God, I would just be so happy if you could just introduce me to Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. right? If, if you could just introduce me to the right person and I could begin or relate. That would just, oh, I would be so happy, God. I would be, and, and here's the deal. Is he, what I, he, he, will, he, he wants to satisfy the desires of your heart, but he knows that if your heart is not in the right place, that if he satisfies that desire, it, it's not going to solve the problem. You know, maybe, maybe you like to paralyze, man. You've, you've been battling a sickness or an illness, and you've thought and prayed, God, if you would just take care of this, if you would just heal me, or if maybe it's a family member, God, if you'd heal my dad or my, my son or my wife or my, you know, if you'd just take care of this, God, we, man, we would be so happy. Or maybe it's a little more materialistic. Maybe it's, you know, a new house or a new this. or new, And here's, here's what I know is that I'm thankful as well that God gives us what we need and not what we want. And he looks at this man. He says, son, your, your sins are forgiven. He gives him what he needs. He, he solves the problem of his heart. You see, here's the reality. If you haven't learned this yet, I'll help you with it. Is that the discontentment in our heart runs deep, but the solutions that the world has to offer, they're all shallow. That, that's why they don't work. That's why they don't solve the problem. You see, the, the problem with earthly solutions is we tend to think that the answer is just more. Right? It's like, if I had more money, if I had more time, if I had more friends, if I had more this, more that. And the, the problem is that we, all, we just always tend to think that more is the answer. Like, I, I mean, I could apply this in so many ways, right? Like, I've already told you I love to fish. And I can't tell you how many times I've been guilty of this, that I'll, I'll catch a fish and man, it just it brings joy to my heart, and I'll release that fish, and I'll literally in my head say, God, if you could just help me to catch one more, I would be happy. Right? Have you ever, have you ever done this? And I'll literally, I'll catch another fish, and then I'll realize that it did not satisfy the desires of my heart, because when I put it back, I say, God, just one more. Right? I was, I was fishing with a friend the other day, and he doesn't like to fish as much as me. And I told him one more about 17 times. And finally, he just left me. He just went back to the truck. But I had the keys, so I, I was safe, right? You see, you see the, the, the problem is we always want more, right? I, I like to run as well. The problem with running is we always want to go further or faster than the last time. You could, biking or whatever it is, you lift weights, you, you, you always want to go further or, or, or faster. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but your pastor and I, we, we've, been, we've been on a workout plan. Um, we, we, you know, we, we've been helping each other from a distance. We've been, we've, been, we've been working out. And he doesn't want me to show you this picture, but, but I have a picture of our most recent results. I, I, think, I think they have the picture in the sound booth, even though I told them that my slides were no good. Let's see. Let's, do you have the, the, the picture of, of, of us? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting, I know this shirt is deceiving. It, it hides the muscles really, really well. See, the, the problem is, it's like just one more rep, just one, just one more pound, uh, pound. Y'all should take a picture of that and post it on his Facebook. That would be awesome. <clears throat> this is what happens. He left town. I'm in control for 30 minutes. All right. 
We, we always want more, right? One more mile, one more fish, one more dollar, one more pan, one, one more. And the problem is that those solutions, they're all shallow, and they, they don't actually solve the, the condition of our heart. And I want you to know this morning that, that salvation, like true surrender to the king, salvation changes what your heart wants the most. That, that, that's why Jesus looked at this man and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Salvation changes the thing your heart wants the most. Psalm chapter 27, David says this. He says, the one thing that I ask, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, the gaze on the, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, David figured it out. He figured it out that all the other things are going to pale in comparison, that they're not going to solve the the deep, deep issues of the heart. And I love that Jesus, he gives us what we actually need. Now, there's another confusing part of this story. I don't know if you noticed this, but the man, the, the paralyzed man, never actually asked for forgiveness of sins. Did, did you notice this? Like, I don't know how you do it, you know, here, but, but typically in, in our church and in lots and lots of churches, you know, the, the way that someone accepts forgiveness of their sins is that a pastor will lead them and say, hey, if you recognize that you need a Savior, why don't you raise your hand? And somebody will raise their hand and will say, come meet me at the front of the altar. And they'll come up and then we'll lead them in a prayer and, and they acknowledge their sins and they accept Christ as their sin. And that's kind of a normal thing, right? I mean, you've seen that lots and lots of times, but this didn't happen this way. The guy comes down out of the ceiling. He lands in the middle of the church. He never asks for forgiveness. Jesus, he literally just reads his mind, right? I mean, Jesus like, man, you are messed up. You are a sinner, and you need forgiveness. And, and I love this because he sees their faith, and he just, right away, he automatically forgives them, forgives him of his sins. And I just, I want to talk to you for just a moment about grace, because this, this part of this story, I think, is eye-opening for us when it comes to this idea of grace. I mean, we, we sang, I loved it, we sang about this, from grace to grace. Pastor Scott talked about, what if we measured, you know, what if we measured from grace to grace rather than minute to minute or hour to hour? And I don't know about you, but I, lo- I love grace. I'm thankful for grace. But I think often, I think the church often gets it wrong. Because the picture of grace that is painted in this passage is very different than the picture of grace that I grew up thinking about and knowing about and learning about. I mean, I think of the songs that we sing about grace. Think of the words associated, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? You see, the picture of grace that I I had was, was basically like a big, fluffy, cloud, almost a pillow that you just kind of gracefully fall into when you mess up. Right? Anyone ever have that? It's like, and, and I think we've sold it this way in church. I think we've, you know, and so it's kind of this, you know, I'm walking through life and oh, I stumbled and I'm sinning, but it's okay because I'm going to fall into this grace-filled cloud Oh, it's so comfortable. Oh, I'm just going to roll around. Friends, you should come into the grace pool. It's amazing. Oh, oh, I just love the grace of God. It's not how, it's not, not, not how Pastor Jonathan teaches it. 
I learned it from him. And, and, and I, but I really do. It, it, I think that's how, I mean, maybe that's not exactly how we teach it, but that's the image. And, and, and I'm just telling you, I, I think what, what we learn from this passage is that grace is aggressive. That grace, I thank God it is, that, that, that Jesus is aggressive with his grace and his forgiveness. I mean, this guy comes out of the ceiling. Jesus doesn't even wait for him to acknowledge his sin, and he goes ahead and forgives him, right? I mean, he just, he comes right at him. And he's like, dude, let's deal with your heart before we even talk about your legs, because if you could see the condition of your heart, it is so much worse than those broken legs. And the grace of God, it pursues him. And, and I'm just telling you, one of the reasons that I get so excited about the aggressive grace of God is because I've experienced it. Is that I'm telling you, there, there was a point in my life, there was a point in my life where I had made the biggest mistake of my life. And when I did this, I, I put everything in jeopardy for my life, for my calling, and for my family. And I was at a place where I thought, I thought, man, I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my kids. I'll never pastor again. I'm done. It's over. And I remember, I remember thinking, if, oh, man, if God, if you'll just save my marriage, I'll, I'll, set, I'll be happy with that. Like, I don't, I don't even need the other stuff. I'll get a job somewhere. I'll do it. I'll do whatever. And I'm just telling it's like the, the grace of God. He just, he came to me. And, and, and here's how it came. It was not a big, soft, fluffy cloud that I fell into and just kind of rolled around in what what happened for me was the grace of God came to me and the grace of God said this the grace of God said Jason I've given you chance after chance after chance after chance to get your heart right and because you've ignored that my grace is going to come and it's going to feel more like a kick in the seat of the pants than a big soft fluffy cloud And and what happened for me is the grace of God came to me and literally ripped the rug out from under my feet. (laughs) Anyone ever had that happen? And I'm just going to tell you that it hurt. I'm going to tell you that I didn't like it. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that it was not fun, right? Now this morning when we sang grace to grace, like that was fun, right? And it was exciting and I loved it and, and I do love the grace of God. But when the aggressive grace of God came to my life, it wasn't fun and it didn't feel good. God was like, Jason, I'm not giving up on you, but I cannot let this go any further. And so yeah, I'll tell you what he did. He said, I'm going to expose the sin that is in your heart that I've been trying to take care of for all this time but you haven't responded and so now I'm going to put the spotlight on you and others are going to know and they're going to help you and they're going to hold you accountable and they're going to bring you to the cross and we're going to deal with your heart and after we deal with your heart I can deal with everything else see I'm just telling you telling you the grace of God is aggressive and I think that we've got this wrong in church far too often. I'm telling you, I, I, I can tell you, again, because, because I pastor, I, I've, seen, I've seen this play out in family after family and situation after situation. What I love about my Savior is that He's not sitting back waiting for us 
to respond, waiting for us to realize our sin, waiting for us to to realize that we need a Savior, but instead He is pursuing us. You've heard this verse, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said that verse, that, that it has some aggressive words in it, right? He came to seek and to save, right? Not to sit back and to wait, right? He came into this world to seek and to save the lost. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that the grace of God is aggressive. I'm thankful because honestly, had he waited on me to figure it out, he probably would still be waiting. And I feel like I could have the worship team, you could join me. Usually music helps pastors end. Did, did you, have you ever noticed that? Or, or, or does, it, is, does it make us go, go longer? I don't know. You see, this, this is, if I could be a little bit presumptive in the spirit this morning. <laughs> I, I think the reason that I felt led to change to this message for this service is I, I think there are probably some people here today that you've just, you've been uncomfortable in your current situation. You've been uncomfortable in, in, in your life. And, and the aggressive grace of God has been coming towards you but you haven't recognized it as the grace of God because it's so uncomfortable. And grace, you know, we have this, this mentality that grace is supposed to be comfy, right? Grace is supposed to be amazing. I mean, that's what the song says, right? Grace is supposed to be soft and fluffy. But the grace of God, I just, I really feel in my spirit today that the grace of God has been making some of you uncomfortable, He's been stirring your heart. He's been, and he he won't allow you to continue down the path that you're going down. And truthfully, I feel like I'm talking to people who, who honestly, you probably love Jesus. (laughs) That you're, you you really do. You, You love Jesus. But there's a piece of your heart that you've not allowed him to have. It's that, it's that thing on the side. It's that, it's that thing that you won't give up. It's that, it's that addiction that you won't let go of. It's that habit. It's, it's the, are, you, are you following me? And you wonder why you're so, it's like, I, you know, Jesus said, I, I came to give you life and life to the full. And you're like, well, I, why is my life not feel full? And I just, I have this theory that it's the grace of God that's coming into your life. And it's not allowing you to settle for a ho-hum life. Because he's got, he's got something more for you. He's got something better. Like, man, I, I was kind of bummed when they dismissed the youth today. I was kind of hoping they'd stay in here because I could, I could feel their energy. Could, could you feel it? Like, here's a group of students who just, they, they just came back from a, a weekend of discovering how much more God has for them. Right? And I love the grandparently advice. I, I don't think you're qualified yet, but... Right, where they just say, just run after it, go for it. The enemy's going to try to steal it, but, but don't let it, right? And I just, I, I, I could say the same to you today, that there is more, that, that there's something more. And I think the grace of God is pursuing you today. In, in fact, I could, I could say it this way, the grace of God would, would allow for my schedule to be away from home 
and in your city and in your church today to bring this message to reveal the grace of God for your life. Like, like think of all the things that God had to put into place for that to happen, for you to be here today. Not in the first service, but in this service, right? Because the grace of God pursues you. He came to seek and to save. I want to pray for you this morning before you turn it back to Pastor Scott. I, want to, I just want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes just, just right where you're at this morning? I don't know exactly how you do it here, so if, you, if it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you, I, I apologize. But I, I always have our church do this because I, I want you to be able to have a moment. You, earlier you prayed and you asked God to speak to you. And, I, and now I want you to have a moment to respond to what God is stirring in your heart. And if you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jason, I, <laughs> I sense the aggressive grace of God <laughs> coming into my heart. And I'm ready, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to respond. I, 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 and I'll say this, give in before, before, give in, give in to the grace of God. Give in to the grace of God. But you, you're here today and you say, I, I sense the, the grace of God is, is coming towards my heart and I'm, I'm ready to respond to it. Would you just raise your hand this morning? I'm ready to respond right now, right here, to the grace of God. And for some of you, I just, I, I, I keep feeling this one. I, I, I feel like some of you, the, the grace of God is saying this morning that it's time to give up something you've been holding on to. And for some of you, I, I, what I really feel is I, I really feel like for some of you, the thing that you have to, you're going to have to give up, there's some addiction and some things, but the thing I really feel strongly right now is some of you need to give up the bitterness and the anger that you've been holding against a loved one, a friend that hurt you. And it's, it's the aggressive grace of God is saying, I'm not going to let you keep holding on to this. I'm not going to let, because you know what? It's only hurting you. It's not hurting the other person. I just, I just really sense that the grace of God this morning is saying, it's time to forgive. It's time to move on. I mean, for some of you, you're going you're gonna to have to, you're, we're going to pray a prayer, but you're going to have to go and make a phone call this week and take, take an action step and begin a path towards reconciliation because the grace of God won't allow you to stay where you're at. Let me pray for you. Thank you. So many have responded. So Father, I pray right now, that your aggressive, amazing grace that has been pursuing us, that has been, been coming after us, that's been seeking. God, I pray that this morning we would have an encounter with the aggressive grace of God. God, I thank you for every person who raised their hand today who's saying, I need, I, I need that grace, and I'm ready to respond to it. I'm ready to give in. I'm ready, I'm ready to give up control. I'm ready to give up. And God, I pray right now, I pray for the courage to be able to give up destructive habits, the destructive patterns in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that right now you would break in the name of Jesus the addictions that, that have settled into our hearts. That today we're saying thank you for your grace that does not allow us to settle for the life that we've been living. God, I pray, Lord, for friends who are, are right now, they're, they're letting go. They're forgiving. They're, they're, they're letting go of the, the bitterness that has held on for too long. The anger that has held on for too long. The unforgiveness. 
God, I pray, God, for the courage to forgive today. And Lord, I thank you again that your grace has not given up on us, that your grace will not allow us to stay in, a, in, in our sin, that will not allow our hearts to stay there. So God, I pray right now, God, for every friend here, Lord, I pray, God, that as we respond, God, I'm asking that you would begin to intervene in our lives and in our situations. God, I thank you that you're the king today, that you have the power and the authority. And today you are working on our behalf, and we trust you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. 